Alaska's newsmakers. Action Line KINY. Good morning, Ken Smith here in the studio with our superintendent, Bridget Weiss. Good morning, Ken. How are you? Nice to see you. Good. Yeah, we were talking a lot off here before the show, and uh, it's a lot to cover here today with you. <laughs> I guess we should start with, um, let's just start with the big story. We have a superintendent search that's going to be underway, because you are retiring. That is true. I am um, <clears throat> retiring from K-12 uh, at the end of June, so the district has uh, begun their process in a new superintendent search. When did you decide you had enough of K through 12, you needed a break and a change of life? <laughs> this fall, um, I uh, communicated that uh, to the board and in November they officially accepted my letter of resignation, <clears throat> effective June 30th. Um, but you know, like most big decisions, it's a bit of an evolution and a process as we think through you know, quality of life and, and where we are. And um, I've been doing K-12 for a long time. And, um, you know, it was just, it seemed like the right time to be able to step away and have a transition in leadership. Five years you've been on the job. Five years in this role and four years prior, prior to that with the district as the director of student services. So I've been part of JSD for nine. And then how long were you a teacher? I was a teacher for 16 years and have been an administrator um, for 23 years since I made the big transition from teaching to administration. Hmm. Education has been your life. It, it really has. Since graduating from uh, JDHS uh, and um, going to Whitworth University and uh, getting my teaching certificate there and my math degree, uh, it really has been. Um, since I was 17 years old, it's, it's really been my focus. You've got an incredible perspective on <clears throat> education in America, in Juneau. How, how are we doing? Give us a report card. Well, I do have this really neat vantage point um, because I have uh, spent the beginning of my career 26 years in the state of Washington uh, before returning to the state of Alaska. So, and, and I also, in this role of superintendent, work with superintendents across the state as well as across the nation. And so the conversations are, are really uh, deep, they're lively, uh, and I do have this sort of broad perspective. Um, I think in Juneau... Um, and in Alaska, uh, our journey through the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic has been one similar uh, to certainly to most states, uh, but yet unique uh, as Alaska is. And our, our state is incredibly diverse geographically, educationally. <clears throat> our communities are diverse. And so as we pull out of this and really work collectively across the state to increase some of our achievement, uh, results both in the area of reading and math. We really are facing similar challenges as other states are in that regard. And there's a big focus for us as the state of Alaska, both through our Department of Education, our legislature, <clears throat> and our school districts uh, around reading in particular right now, and what we're going to do to continue to sort of reboot following this pandemic. Yeah, there's been an <clears throat> emphasis as I talk to the governor, some of the senators that are education-minded, on this READ Act and improving young readers because we're failing to develop them properly to meet grade level reading. Is that a problem? We, when we look at our uh, testing data, uh, we certainly do not have the numbers that we want to be proficient in reading by grade three. And there's a lot of research that supports what 
um, trajectory students are on post grade three uh, when they can read at grade level proficiency and when they can't. And so it, it sort of has become this barrier uh, or a line in the sand of, of a target for us. And so districts are um, working hard to develop programs, support structures. We also are, you know, looking, we have to look at our assessment system, all those things is in how we measure those things. And it is a marker and it's a very important marker. Um, and so it takes resources to apply intervention strategies and uh, really support students that are lower than grade level in the area of reading. But we also see through, as as we would expect after the pandemic, that there was also hit to our math achievement. And uh, mathematics is a little bit different animal because of the nature of of the beast in terms of how we kids learn mathematics. How far behind the curve are we after these two years of remote learning I always said when I saw this going on, from a journalistic point of view and being critical thinking, these kids are going to be set back one or two years. Right. It, it, it definitely made an impact. And um, we learned a lot through that process about learning, about teaching, uh, about what kind of supports families needed. And we provided such a steadfast support for families during that time, which was just, as we know, the word was overused, unprecedented um, at the time. And and in Juno School District, we turned on a dime in terms of meet, literally from a Friday to a Monday, meeting our families' needs in new ways that we hadn't before with food and with supplies and technology to be able to access students in their home. And so that gave us some advantage because we were prepared to turn on that dime and begin what at that time was completely unknown territory of how we were going to instruct students uh, remotely. What goes on between students and a teacher in a classroom is the most important thing that we do, and you can't duplicate that for every student remotely. It's really challenging, and so we certainly see the impact of that. Uh, we also, again, learned some things through that that have helped us and, and are, you know, Im, uh, certainly influencing how we move forward. Uh, but but our learning achievement levels did definitely took a hit. How far back did it, did it go with setting students from learning? Did, did they lose a year? It's a little hard to quantify it exactly in terms of a year or more um, or less, um, and not all students responded the same. So some students lost more than other students. We know that when we um, experienced that pandemic, one of the things that we that was evident immediately was the differential between what students were able, some students were able to learn one way um, and not another way or had different resources at home than others and so that whole equity lens really became uh, clear and sort of in neon lights during that time so not all students responded the way that way some students have uh, responded really well our older kids many of them have gone on and been successful even though they were part of that cohort um, and are competing at college level this year, um, you know, uh, to, to great um, lengths. And so, um, but as we look at our, in particular, our most youngest, our youngest population, um, those students who possibly were preschool during those years or kinder and first that missed out on those instrumental beginning stages of learning and how to be in a classroom, you know, how to function in that community of a classroom. That, that's where we saw our, our larger impacts. Also, social 
uh, reaction and interaction was eliminated, especially for the younger kids. Mm-hmm. That's when they ha- they learn how to <clears throat> interact with their fellow students and learn social behavior that's proper. So the younger kids probably had a different impact in certain areas than the older kids. That that is very true. We we think about often in our classroom in our classrooms of younger students regulation, self regulation. How do we function inside of a community of, of of people, of peers, and and that has you know we're now it to where we're balancing that again. But initially that was a, a big hit uh, for sure. Um, and so um, just knowing how to be a student. Uh, was really difficult. The other place where we have seen an impact is those students who missed transitions. So in our K-12 system, we have these sort of primary, I talked about the younger from preschool to kinder, but we also have transitions that go from elementary to middle school or middle school to high school. And some students in those cohorts, right, didn't make that transition. So traditionally, so they didn't do a traditional transition to high school so their first big one is middle school to high school Um, whereas normally they've had a little practice at that transition piece changing schools changing class structures but now a couple years later we're recognizing gosh these students who are now going to be freshmen next year going from eighth to ninth didn't have a traditional transition from elementary to middle where you learn some of those adaptation skills and self-resiliency. So it the, the impacts definitely continued to surface. It was a tough time to be a student in American schools during the <laughs> pandemic. I wouldn't have wanted to go through that. You know, the, the school transitions you just talked about, those were important uh, adjustments that you had to make. Yeah, it was, it's not a fun time for students. It wasn't a fun time for teachers either. And some say it led to the burnout and the mass exodus we've seen over mm-hmm. the last couple of years and shortages in teaching. Has that also been felt in Juneau? It sure has, and in particular in certain areas um, uh, where we have more difficulty filling some teaching positions like our special education teachers, uh, for as an example, um, most of our other positions are filled, um, but certainly nationally, as well as statewide, as well as locally, our um, pools are incredibly smaller. When I started teaching way back, ago, long ago, a, a person had to be really strategic about how, what they thought about in terms of getting experiences to get even in the door for an interview. Um, elementary, I was a secondary teacher, math teacher, but elementary positions had hundreds of applications for a single teaching position um, and and those days are just long long gone so it has impacted the teaching profession certainly uh, in terms of, of, of number of candidates there's a lot of work yet to be done around teacher recruitment and retention and that's another pretty big initiative that we have in the state when I was first out of college I mean there were a lot of teaching majors usually women coming out of college, uh, especially for the younger age groups. Mm -hmm. It's always been more of a heavily uh, female-oriented profession early on, like in the 90s, say, 80s, and heading forward. But, and it was competitive. Like, I I wanted to be a teacher in a public Mm -hmm. school system, and I had to get certified, and it was all these (laughs) things, and there was a lot of people you competed with and I never an education degree I had a journalism degree I ended up teaching at a private school for learning to disabled students and before I got into journalism and like you say it's not competitive like that anymore They're, they they can't find teachers my friend got a job in Austin just uh, this year and he had his pick there was a teacher recruitment fair and 
he could have had 10 offers. Right. And I think that as a community, that's really important to us that we attract high quality educators. So we pay a lot of attention to that um, in Juno, And um, timing is really important, even for our administrative positions anymore. There, we're, there's competition for good candidates. And so that's why we are pushing everything forward and doing as early as possible, doing our hiring processes on our directors and our principals so that we can hire high quality people from from good pools. What about the retirement of teachers in Juno? Uh, do you see what's the what's going? What's it look like going forward? Are you seeing, you know, the baby boomers are all getting out just behind us. That group getting out. They've logged their 10, 15, 20 years. Is that happening here too? It certainly is to some degree. Um, I think that I think the pandemic really um, provided a, a pause opportunity for everyone in education and elsewhere um, in other professions to really re-examine um, and look at you know what they were doing how they were doing it and 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 certainly a lot of people wanted to be closer to family and so forth so all of that has played out um, to where um, we certainly have um, teaching positions that will become open as we move through the spring um, I don't we don't see a huge mass exodus by any means but certainly those that are in a position to retire and are choosing to do that you know that that is happening um, and and at an earlier age than I ever considered, you know, retirement. Um, and for me, you know, again, I've done this for 39 years. So um, that's, but a lot of people consider retirement long before that. That new, you're saying that's new. You didn't see teachers dropping out so early into their career. It is more common now, certainly. Hmm. What does that tell us? <laughs> well, I think that it tells us a couple of things. One is we, we definitely want to continue to strive for a school district that is incredibly supportive um, for our employees, that encourages people um, to stay and, and retain their teaching positions. Um, and as a community, you know, it's one of our biggest challenges, of course, when I recruit people to take positions is housing, right? And, and almost always somebody has a pet, a cat or a dog they want to bring with them. So many people in Juneau have pets, but when it comes time to rent a place with a pet, it's incredibly difficult um, to find um, places to live at a cost-effective um, uh, rate is challenging in Juneau. So I think as a community, we always want to be cognizant as well of what are we doing in Juneau to attract high-quality people um, to high-quality educators, high-quality workforce in general uh, to support people in Juneau and have this be continue to be the amazing community that it is. Teachers across the country are saying salaries need to be increased. Mm -hmm. I think the average is like 50000 maybe. That was what my friend got in Austin. Uh, we have higher cost of living here. Do you see this as a important uh, aspect of hiring in the future, that salaries need to be addressed to meet the demands of the cost of living in Juneau? It, it certainly is. Um, as we look at that need for attracting and retaining high-quality teachers, educators, um, salary is part of that, no question. And Alaska has fallen behind, um, and that's part of our work this session, again, at the legislature to really advocate for adequate school funding. We cannot increase our wages to what we need them to be without that adequate funding. Um, 
in previous decades, when I started teaching, uh, if you were to compare my starting teaching salary in Spokane, Washington, as an example, and what my starting salary would have been in Juneau, it would have just shy of doubled um, if I had come back to Juneau and started teaching my first year of teaching. Today, if I start as a new teacher in Spokane, Washington, and I um, started here, the salary is almost the same just shy of, of a differential, very much, very similar. So in the course of my career, people have been put in a different position to make that decision to come to Alaska, um, where the salary was double, and we had a defined benefit system, retirement system at the time. Now the salary's pretty comparable, and we have no, we're the only state in the country without a defined benefit uh, system in our retirement. So we definitely have fallen behind as a state. And, um, and, and our, I think we have a very supportive legislative body. Uh, we have some work to do up there this year to really get um, a full decision up there to fully adequate, uh, fully fund ed- education. Um, our city is incredibly gracious um, when I talk about how the community of Juneau um, can do everything possible to make this a great place. Our city is one of those um, components that does that. What is the starting salary average for <coughs> Juneau? You knew that was coming. It's uh, roughly 50000 <coughs> Well, then what should it be, in your humble opinion and professional experience? <coughs> Well, I'm not going to quote a number for sure. Especially because we're in negotiations, <laughs> right, with the union. We are in negotiations, and um, we're moving through those. Um, we're headed towards some mediation and then possibly arbitration, pars- possibly settling. All that will be determined in the next few weeks. Um, but we we know that we want to be able to pay our teachers a fair salary. Um, we value our teachers and our staff uh, to a great length. Um, and we have one hand tied behind our back. So we need that base student allocation to be funded adequately by the legislature. Um, the $30 um, increase after six or seven years of, of no increase is really just a blip on the radar screen. It just simply doesn't make the impact that we need it to. So we're doing our best. I'll be testifying um, uh, soon uh, and up on the Hill and meeting with legislators. And uh, we're fortunate we have a very strong delegation here that represents Juneau and Southeast Alaska, uh, but we need that strong support across the state. When you mentioned $30 an hour, is that what you No, sorry, uh, there is part of the Alaska Reads Act um, that was passed last year included a $30 increase to the BSA, the base student allocation <laughs> for this coming school year. So for Juneau as an example, that $30 would generate $243,000 new dollars. That's all. Out of an $85, $90 million budget, it would be an increase of $240,000. That doesn't help us resolve our need to increase teacher wages. It doesn't resolve our increased costs um, that are mandated expenses by the school district that have increased, doesn't cover inflation, etc., Education bill. We'll talk about that when we come back. Also, you have some new hirees in director and principals. All that coming up on Action Line as I talk to the superintendent of Juneau School District, Bridget Weiss. Action Line continues. K I N Y. 
We're coming up to 10.54 a.m. here at KINY on Action Line. The superintendent of the school district of Juneau, Bridget Weiss, in studio. Search is on for a new superintendent. Yes, she's retiring at the end of the year. Yes, uh, the board has started the process. Um, they've hired a search consultant firm that will be helping them through this process. So people should be um, looking. We pushed out a survey uh, just this week, and all parents received uh, a copy of that survey. All staff received a copy of that. It's on the website. It is a way for anyone to give some input about what qualities they're looking for in their next superintendent. So that's active and out there. So um, people should um, weigh in there. And then coming forward, there will be probably some public opportunities to give some input along the way. And then uh, the board will probably screen and narrow down to finalist candidates late in February and then sometime in March or early March and sometime in March the district will entertain candidates in person and and, um, there will be opportunities with candidates as well. Um, So people can be looking for announcements about that. Nationwide search? Yes. Yep. It's open. Um, Certainly some folks have already uh, uh, voiced, uh, you know, some priorities around, you know, state, somebody who knows Alaska or knows Juneau. Um, and um, I think the board is definitely, the search is national and likely will have some candidates from in the state and out of the state. Um, I'm in a very fortunate position being a Juno White, being born and raised here. Um, that was a, a luxury for sure as um, it really supported my superintendency, um, but that isn't common. And so the, the board will be looking for their best candidate. Education bills on the floor at the legislature. Senate Education Committee uh, is looking at it. You're going to be testifying today. Yes, um, there it is open testimony today. Um, I often, in my role as superintendent and being here in Juneau, um, I'm also the president of the Alaska Superintendent Association. So for with all those roles, I often end up testifying um, on a variety of bills. Um, but our current most important uh, focus is this education uh, funding. I'm looking for an increase in the base student allocation. That's your. That's the most important thing. Um, currently on the hill, <laughs> everything else that we do is is really um, way, much more challenging uh, to do if we are not adequately funded. So we have we have multiple priorities, but that is the focus of the testimony today, and it is certainly a primary focus of our association. Give me a little more detail about this BSA. So the base student allocation is one driver in our funding formula. The state funding formula is rather complex. There's a lot of different layers to it, but it really is basically a function. It's like an algebra function, and different uh, triggers go into that function that spit out a revenue for districts. And enrollment is one of those triggers, and the base student allocation is the other primary uh, lever in the amount uh, of, of revenue that students uh, that districts have to support their operations. And so it is a number per student that gets put into that formula. And over the course of the last seven years, there has been zero increase, zero increase to that number. Um, and as part of the Alaska Reads Act, there is a $30 increase built in, um, but we are advocating for 
and increase that much closer. And I say we, really, there's a lot of people advocating. There's our, our, our Southeast delegation, there's our parent group, there's uh, teachers, our unions, um, administrators um, are advocating for an adequate increase to that BSA to help us with the inflation and the increased costs and, and needing to um, be fully funded for education. So this factors into the overall per student allocation what is it per student right now? So in other words, the students in school for a year, they need to be allocated a certain amount of money for their education value. The price tag is what? $5,960 includes that $30 increase. Per student? Per student. Mm-hmm. I've heard some, some areas, I've read 12000 or 11000 a student mm-hmm. we per are, year. Yep. <laughs> Again, um, we are we are behind. Um, we have a lot of educational priorities in the state, and school districts have been really operating for a number of years with sort of one hand tied behind their back, um, trying to make ends meet and provide really high quality educational programming for students. Ideally, what do you think is necessary? There's been a lot of calculations on that, looking at. Um, uh, inflation rates, et cetera. Um, and the number really is right now gravitating between, you know, 860 and $1,100 um, as uh, 1300 in that zone to, to just bring us back to compensating for inflation and, and increased needs. That would bring it to 7200 <laughs> roughly per student yeah. per year. Mm-hmm. Yep. So again, we're advocating, um, we um, we know that education is important to our whole communities, all of our communities, and um, it, it seems a very education-focused session, so we're cautiously optimistic at this point. Last but not least, uh, food service, Nana. They had a the bit of a controversy last year with mm-hmm. the floor sound accidentally being placed next to the milk, and that led to consumption of the floor sound. Are they under contract again? Have you looked for another food service? Yep, we um, they are under under contract. Um, we did go out for an RFP. We did a half year contract, which normally we always do a full year contract with our service providers. This year we did a first half of the year so that we could go out for an RFP. Um, there were no other respondents. Um, they are the primary. They are the food service provider in the state, um, and so we did finish out. We are finishing out the year with them. Yes. And you anticipate next year as well? Yes. Accident hopefully won't happen again. Well, we have, of course, um, we have followed all corrective action steps. There have been um, many, many, many um, assessments of, of what happened and how it happened and reports by outside agencies and so um, and and internally as well with Nana um, and all of those. Any corrective action steps have been um followed implemented very good all right thank you for joining me today thank you nice to meet you ken bridget weiss superintendent of the juno school district on action line action line weekday mornings action line if it happens in southeast you'll hear it on action line k-i-n-y